Hey everyone, I just want to say thank you so much for all your support the last two years. So to say thank you, I am doing a free NFL jersey giveaway of any current player of your choice. All you have to do to enter is write a five-star written review and post a picture tagging me or DM it to me at Alex Caruso on Twitter. I will pick a winner at the end of July. Now back to another amazing episode of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What's up, the Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 28th episode of Season 3. Today, we're here to talk about sleepers, guys that you need to take in your fantasy football leagues. These are guys like KJ Osborne, Rondale Moore, Albert O, and guys with legitimate upside to make a big difference in your league. Joining me today to break this all down is a man who is a former play-by-play announcer turned fantasy football superstar. He has been with NFL Network for more than a decade and is one of the funniest people in the fantasy football industry. With over 99,000 followers, almost to 100, he is NFL's Marcus Grant. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, appreciate you having me back on. Good to uh, good to be back. I think you, you were talking before we, we started. The, you know, you got some upgrades. You got the nice little fantasy fresh skin <laughs> on there. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to be back and, and you know, try, like I said, trying to enjoy my last couple of weeks of like summer vacation before we start for real. I know. I, I feel that that's, that's a question I have. Cause like you, like, again, you're, you're married, you have other things going on outside of fantasy football. How crazy is that? Like your life from July until like Christmas time compared to like Christmas time until July, like how, how much of a night and day is it really for someone that does this full time? It is a big deal. It's definitely a big deal. Like, you know, in, in season, you know, we, we do the show for NFL network fantasy live. And so, you know, that's, that's four or five days a week. I'm doing a podcast a couple of times a week. Uh, we usually have a Sunday show that streams obviously right before kickoff. Um, you know, in the past I've written a column, maybe two, depending on the, on the season and stuff. So once, once training camp, especially once week one hits, like I'm sort of locked in. I always, you know, kind of, I joke that I tell my family, like, I'll see you in a few months. I'm going to go on a bunker and I'll see you in a few months. <laughs> um, so that it, it really is to the point that once we hit the off season, uh, I really do make it a point to sort of let off the gas a little bit. Um, you know, especially since I'm married, I got a son who's three years old, so he wants oh. lots of time. Uh, yeah, he's great. Uh, so like, I really do try and I do still I still do things here and there. We still do a podcast once a week, uh, maybe every once in a while I'll write something. But uh, it is it is a lot less of a grind in the spring and summer than it is in the fall and winter. Definitely. Definitely. I, I completely feel that. And I totally get you because everyone's locked in. You have, and not only that, you still have your own fantasy leagues that you got to play in in addition to giving everybody advice. But that's what we're here for. You're going to be on the show talking about sleepers just like we are here today. So with that being said, let's get into our first sleepers. You are the guest on the show. So we'll start with you. Who is your first sleeper guy you are targeting in a lot of drafts for 2022? Well, it's Melvin Gordon. And I think for me, it's you know, it's not like Melvin Gordon is going to give us something we don't know, right? Like we know at this point in his career what Melvin Gordon is, but it for me is the ADP of where he's coming. He's coming off the board so late, especially in comparison to Javante Williams. And I'll tell you this, I'm a huge Javante Williams guy. I loved him, loved him coming out of college. I was a little bit heartbroken when the Broncos drafted him because I knew he was going to split time with Melvin Gordon. Um, and I do think, I think this year, the pecking order will be different. I think Javante is going to be the lead back, 
but I don't think he's going to take so many of the touches that Melvin Gordon's going to be irrelevant. I think it's still going to be, say, best case scenario, maybe a 60-40 split in Williams' favor. But that still leaves a lot of opportunity for Melvin Gordon in an offense that's going to be a lot better this year with Russell Wilson at quarterback instead of Drew Locke. So Melvin Gordon's still going to get touches. It's going to be a much more productive offense. And Gordon, for all his other, you know, all the other things you want to say about him, he's still really good at finding the end zone. So that touchdown upside is still going to be there. And like I said, the draft price between Williams and Gordon is so drastic that I'm going to, I'm going to take Gordon all day. In fact, I think I just drafted him a couple rounds ago in the, in the Scott fishbowl is that thing's going on right now. So uh, I will gladly take him. And then, you know, next year, if Gordon doesn't come back, then I'm all about Javante Williams to the moon. But as long as they're still sharing space there in Denver, uh, I just, I just think Gordon is going to be a great value this year. No, I, I completely agree. I think he's going to be a fantastic value. And, there, and I'm actually very bullish on Javante Williams at this point. I mean, like he literally was the running back 17 in full PPR, despite like never playing more than 60% of the snaps in a game besides that one game where Melvin Gordon was out and he had like 29 fantasy points or whatever it was. But Melvin Gordon, I think especially in like your zero RB or not taking a lot of running backs early is the perfect target. Like, you know, he's going to play, you know, he's in a great offense and you know that he is like fantastic, you know, still at 28 going on 29 years old every time that he's playing. I think that he's a really great candidate. I also went running back with my first sleeper. Um, and I, I went with Tyler Algier, Algier, however you say that on the Falcons, I probably messed that up, but <laughs> he is a fifth round rookie. And how often do fifth round rookies really break out in fantasy football? Not that much. Hence why he's a sleeper, but He's going into the running back 57 right now in underdog drafts. He was third in the nation in rushing yards last year. He scored the most touchdowns of any running back in all of the NCAA. And among FBS players with 150 or more carries the last two years, he was first in rush yards after contact, second in rushing touchdowns, third in PFF grade. But the biggest thing is that his competition, like Damian Williams is there. who's had 100 plus touches once in seven seasons. He's 30 years old. And then his main competition is Cordero Patterson, who's 31, has had 100 plus touches in a season just one time in nine years. And would I, as much as everyone else in the world, love to see Cordero Patterson get like 400 touches this year? I would. I would love to see that. But the unfortunate reality is it's not going to happen. And for this guy, I think that he has a real chance to take over this backfield should he show any level of production because, you know, they're going to need Cordero Patterson to be a playmaker, but I don't think they're going to want to give him the full workload. We saw that last year. So how do you how do you feel about Algier? Yeah, no, I think I think the Cordero Patterson thing is maybe the most important point of this, right? Because I, you know, sometimes a guy has a big season sort of out of nowhere and the next year in fantasy, we get super excited and we maybe overdraft that guy. I haven't seen that with Patterson. Yeah. I think everybody looked at last year and realized that, hey, it was really fun. It was really great. It's probably not going to happen again. Yeah. And I think, I think especially when you go back and you look and you see in the back half of the season, uh, Patterson's numbers really fell off. Yep. So I don't think he's going to get anything close to that, that workload that would make him a true workhorse. I think he's being drafted as such. And what that means is that there is an opening for somebody else to step in in that backfield and be productive. The only thing I would worry about with the Falcons in general is how good are they going to be offensively? I've been all in. I've been all in on Kyle Pitts and Drake London um, because I think defensively they're going to be bad. And so they're going to be in a situation where they have to throw the football a lot. But I just wonder if they're going to score enough to make their running backs viable. But I do think I, I do see a scenario where 
especially if they're not competitive, right? If they're in, you know, they're in the NFC South where the Bucks, I figure, are probably going to run away with that division. <laughs> There's really no competition there. Um, I, I think we could see a situation where late in the year, the Falcons look and say, hey, look, we got to figure out what we have right now. And maybe that's that that opens the door for all Jew to step in there and get some of those touches. So I don't mind that, especially because, you know, so much of this is predicated on ADP and draft capital. And because you're you're risking next to nothing, uh, I do think that the upside, the, the reward potentially is greater than whatever risk you're, you're putting out there. Exactly. And that's the thing is, again, he's going as the running back 57 roughly right now. So if he finishes like in the top 40, like he was a he was a great value at ADP. So I think he's someone that has a clear path to being able to do that. Will he do it remains to be seen. But I think he's definitely someone that is a candidate for it. But Marcus, who is your second sleeper that you find really interesting and that you're targeting in a lot of drafts? So my second sleeper is is sort of like the first in the sense that you know, it's not an unknown quantity, but it's a guy who I think the the narrative has gone too far on him, and that's Tyler Lockett. And I, I understand why people are backing off of Tyler Lockett because we're still trying to figure out what the quarterback situation is right there. And look, he, neither Drew Locke nor Geno Smith is going to do a whole lot to get anybody excited, right? Like you're not going to get fired up if it's either one of those guys. But I also think that the hate for those guys has impacted Tyler Lockett way too much. And I, I remember earlier this offseason, you know, people asking me who I was avoiding. And at the time it was Lockett. It's like, I don't want any Seahawks receivers because I don't like what the potential quarterback situation is going to be. But it's gotten to the point where I would get into drafts, I get into mock drafts, I get into actual drafts. And suddenly I'm sitting around here, it's the seventh, eighth, ninth round, and Tyler Lockett is still on the board. And I'm like, okay, this has gone a little too far because regardless of who, is throwing the rock in Seattle, they're pretty much two guys they're going to throw it to. It's going to be either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. So I know it's not going to be the same maybe number of quality targets that they were getting with Russell Wilson, but the volume is going to be there. So I, I still think you know Tyler Lockett, the, the Tyler Lockett slander, or I guess the, the Seattle quarterback slander, which uh, has forced Tyler Lockett to catch a few strays, uh, has gone too far. And where his ADP is now, I'm willing to draft him. I'm willing to take that shot that he remains something close to the Tyler Lockett we've seen in past years. Yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit here. For one, I think he beats his ADP. And two, the one Jimmy Garoppolo trade away, you know, which probably wouldn't happen in the same division, but from Tyler Lockett, like absolutely smashing ADP. But I think my pushback is more the, the sense that even with Russell Wilson there, we saw Lockett have a lot of dud games. And then you take away Russell Wilson, and I just am not willing to play a guessing game with Tyler Lockett at what week he's going to play, like what week he's going to break out. Unless they're playing Arizona, who he seems to destroy like every game he's ever played them against his career, I think I'm going to have a little bit of a harder time knowing which of those weeks that he's going to break out because a lot of his game is predicated on on bigger plays. And not to say that Tyler Lockett's a great player. He's a phenomenal receiver. But I think when it comes down to the fact that he has a lot of boomer bust games and you take away Russell Wilson – and this team ran, I think, the least offensive plays or ran at the slowest pace per game of any team in the NFL last year. That just concerns me a little bit from Lockett. Again, he probably beats ADP, but I don't know. Well, and I, but I, I think that, no, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair argument. But I also think that where you're drafting him, yes. you're not relying on him to yep. be like in the past, you were relying on him as your wide receiver one, maybe that's your wide true. receiver two. 
right now you're not doing that. I mean, in a lot of situations where I have him, he's my third, maybe my fourth wide receiver, which allows me the flexibility to sort of hopefully absorb some of those dud games uh, because I've got other guys on my roster that are going to pick up the slack. So I think I think what you said is absolutely fair. I just think that the way we're drafting him this year sort of provides a buffer from any of that, you know, that volatility that he may offer us. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that that's, that's totally fair. And again, he's going to be a value, and you're right, he's not relying on it. So I think that you're right. I think that he's definitely someone that is is fair, you know, to be to be drafting. And I think that he's someone that is going to be a value. But I really hope they trade for someone. Like I'm not someone, but I know the only guy really on the market right now is is Jimmy G. Right. So I think that's definitely the biggest thing. So with Jimmy G, I'm definitely going to be going for him and you know, hoping that he ends up in somewhere like Seattle or maybe the Giants. We've heard some rumblings on. So I really like that pick. Um, the next guy that I'm going to go for is KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne, I think, is definitely someone that's a big-time sleeper. And the biggest thing, this is from my friend Zara on Twitter. He put out this awesome stat last night on Twitter that KJ Osborne can see a big jump in snap share and route participation with Kevin O'Connell. I mean, last year, KJ Osborne was 70th in snap share, 31st in routes run, 61st in, in uh, sorry, route run percentage. But Van Jefferson in 2021 was 30th in snap share, 16th in routes run, and 31st in route percentage. And that's because they run a lot of 11 personnel with the Rams. And now Kevin O'Connell brings that offense to the Vikings where they run a lot more three wide receiver sets. And I think that's where K.J. Osborne will take big advantage of that. So I think that that's definitely the biggest thing. But also Patrick Peterson on his own podcast said that he thinks that if any Vikings player is going to break out, one of his guys to be those picks – would be KJ Osborne. He said, I think that he's a dog. I think he's doing big things. And I think that he could have a thousand yards last year. But the last thing that's interesting, and this might be just a throwaway cherry pick stat, but Kirk Cousins, or sorry, KJ Osborne, when targeted by Kirk Cousins, had the highest passer rating in the NFL of any player last year. So when they were throwing to KJ Osborne, big things were happening. I think that he could take a year three leap and continue to beat, you know, ADP. Are you feeling KJ Osborne or do you think that there's just too much competition with Dalvin, Irv Smith? and then Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I don't think it's too much competition. My only concern with K.J. Osborne is that generally in his career, Kirk Cousins has been pretty narrowly focused on where he puts his targets. Generally, it's been kind of a two-man thing. And maybe it's because maybe because it's in the past he only really had two guys. But, you know, for, for a long time, it was pretty much just Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Then Diggs leaves, Justin Jefferson comes in, and it was Thielen and Jefferson. Now you do add in Irv Smith, who I really like this year as kind of a late-round flyer. Um, I should have put him on my sleepers list. I didn't. Spoiler alert. But anyway, I think, uh, you know, I I think with Irv Smith in there, I think with, with Dalvin Cook still taking some targets, I think there are going to be games where Osborne has – big performances like I and I think I think that's going to be the trick is is if we can figure out when those games are going to happen because I do see some some opportunities for him to step in there and get some targets and make some big plays and I do agree that that he's a really good player the question is are they going to consistently feed him enough targets to do this on a regular basis and that's the part I'm not sure about just because Kirk Cousins history suggests that he doesn't stray very far outside of his two primary receivers now maybe look Maybe if we all buy into the Adam Thielen is declining narrative, which it does certainly seem to be the case, maybe that opens up some more opportunities. But if it if it's still a you know if Adam Thielen figures out something and he you know finds the fountain of youth for a year, I think that maybe puts a, an obstacle in Osborne's path. 
Yep, I, I completely agree. I think that that's that's fair, and I think the competition is one thing. But I hope that you know he can be ADP because he's going in the mid forties right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's definitely big potential for him. But again, I think it definitely would take you know some sort of injury for him to really break out and be a massive value. But I think the potential is clearly clearly there. This offense definitely helps him. There's clearly some people that believe in him. Um, but we will move back to you. With your third player, I won't reveal who it is, but it is someone that I'm very excited about as well this year. So I'll lead with you. Who is your number three sleeper candidate? Yeah, this is more of a traditional sleeper candidate, and it's Rondale Moore. And, you know, I know that people were hoping for big things out of Rondale Moore last year, and it never really came to fruition. I don't know how much of it was actually his fault. He was just in a, he was stuck in a situation with a lot of other guys who were really talented, right? So, uh, you know, 435 yards, one touchdown, that doesn't really blow you away. But I think this is an opportunity this year for him to sort of move into the slot a little bit more consistently. If they can do something scheme-wise to get him the ball in space, and that's something Cliff Kingsbury has talked about, is just getting more of the ball in space, letting him do his thing, I think that opens up some opportunities for him. The other thing that's going to help, at least early in the season, is no DeAndre Hopkins. With, With Nuke suspended for the first six games of the season, they're going to have to go somewhere else with the football, right? They don't have Christian Kirk. You're not going to have Nuke Hopkins early in the year. Uh, I mean, look, it was sort of nice to see A.J. Green. Like He had a decent season last year, but you know his days of being the A.J. Green we knew from the Cincinnati Bengals, those days are gone. They're, you know, I, Marquise Brown, I think, is going to step in and play a big role in this offense, but you know, they're still, I think they're still looking for somebody to, to kind of make some plays for them in this offense. So I do think there's an opportunity for Rondale Moore to really show out early in the year, and if he can do that, hopefully he establishes a role for himself in this offense so that even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back kind of midway through the season, I guess a third of the way through the season now that we play 18 weeks, um, when he comes back a third of the way through the season, uh, that he will still have opportunities to get the football in his hand and make plays. So maybe all the high hopes that a lot of people had for Rondell Moore last year that never really came about, maybe they actually come about this year. By the way, the Andy Isabella experiment is probably done. <laughs> I know he's still there. He's still on the roster technically, but I, I think at, at this point um, – I, I think the Cardinals are sort of done with it. And I think in fantasy, we have long since been done with that. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, but I think that that's so interesting. Do you, and again, I would say in here, I was about to say, oh, well, Marcus, like, are you worried about when Hopkins comes back and Marquise Brown is there? But that's not the point. It's it's where his price is right now and how much he has an opportunity to be able to smash that price right now. And I think that, again, he's someone that's super, super interesting. And his production profile is pointing in all the right directions. My only worry is like, I mean, guys that small at, you know, five, seven at receiver, can they really do it? But I think if anyone is set to do it and has all the athletic measurables and that dog in him you need, I think it's Rondale Moore. I'm also sticking at wide receiver with my third breakout, not breakout, sorry, my sleeper, Kendrick Bourne. And I know Kendrick Bourne, I, I'm already lulling you to sleep with the fact that I'm saying <laughs> his name on a fantasy football podcast, but people don't realize that he finished as the wide receiver 34 in fantasy football last year. And like, I know that, okay, that's a fantasy finish, but he set career highs in fantasy points in back-to-back seasons. He's entering his prime at 26 years old. And he currently goes to the wide receiver 82 in drafts right now. Like he's going as the 82 after finishing in the top 40. And again, like no one else is 
going to take targets away. The only player that the Patriots added was second-round rookie Tyquan Thornton, who is expected to be a deep threat, not playing the same game as Kendrick Bourne is. Kendrick Bourne is a clear path to snaps. I know that – sorry, Devontae Parker is also going to be there, but Bourne is the clear role at being the opposite outside receiver with that, and I think that he has a path to a lot of targets this year. And I don't think that you know Devontae Parker, who's had one really great year, and Tyquan Thornton are going to take away targets, and I think that Bourne is going to smash ADP. Is he going to be a league winner and finish in the top 24? Probably not. But I think that he's a huge value at wide receiver 82 right now. And I think that's the I think that's the point is the value that he is right now. I think, you know, we're all sort of nervous about Patriots wide receivers because it doesn't seem like any of them consistently do enough to, uh, you know, to make us really excited about them. But I think Bourne is very much a candidate to be the leader or close to the leader in targets there. I mean, but, you know, it, I think part of it is. Uh, how much do you buy into the the Mac Jones ascension or his progression? You know, I don't I don't know if you saw the the photos of him circulating on Twitter, uh, or I guess he's sort of he's sort of yoked up now, right? He kind of got yeah. swole in the offseason. Big uh, time. As I would say, he's he's BSOHL, best shape of his life. Um, <laughs> so like, you know, but if that means something, then hopefully, hopefully they trust him a little bit more with the passing game. Um, you know, I go back to that game last year against the Bills where they beat Buffalo and they had Jones throw the ball three times because they didn't, yeah. you know, like they knew he couldn't necessarily win the game for them. They just didn't want him to lose it. But if they do believe in him in a bigger way, then I think that that does open up opportunities for guys like Kendrick Bourne, uh, like Jacoby Myers. Uh, and so I think, but again, where you're taking him, there's no real risk involved. And if it does turn out that, that the Patriots passing game has a little more juice than we anticipated, uh, then you end up with a pretty good guy. A dare I say a sleeper on your Ooh. hands on your roster there. I know, right? Wild, isn't it? It's crazy. Funny, I, I didn't know you could get sleep sleepers on a sleeper show. Weird, huh? Wild. <laughs> it's so funny, but I, I like that. He's someone I'm super interested in. Like you said, best shape of his life. Mac Jones, you know, <laughs> so automatically you should be moving Kendrick Bourne up your rankings already. But I am interested though, on another note, just to see what Devontae Parker ends up doing in this offense. So I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what this looks like and you know what this offense looks like without you know Josh McDaniels and who's going to be the offensive coordinator. But either way, I think that he is really good at his price. But we each have a tight end today. Let's move on to the tight end portion of our sleepers before we get into our final guy of the day. And the final guy of the days are really interesting, but we have our tight ends to get to. Marcus, let's start with you. Who is your sleeper tight end? Uh, I'm. I, I picked. I picked him partially because I just like saying his name. But Albert <laughs> Albert Okuya Boonham, uh, Albert O to to most of us out there. Um, you know, this was a guy coming out of Missouri that everybody loved his athleticism, loved his speed. Um, but you know, sort of like a lot of the pass catchers there in Denver was he was sort of had a cap on his production just because the quarterback play was so inconsistent, but now they get Russell Wilson there. Right. And, and everybody's excited about what this means for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And like, I get it. I think all those guys definitely get a boost because of Russell Wilson, but I'm curious to see whether or not Wilson is going to integrate Albert O into this offense a lot too. Let's go back to all those times in Seattle where we kept trying to make Seahawks tight ends a thing, because you know, we kept trying to make Will Disley a thing for a reason, because especially down near the end zone, Wilson looked for his tight ends a lot. Maybe not a ton between the 20s, but also I don't know that he's ever had a tight end as athletic as Albert right now. So I think you, you sort of factor that in. You factor in the fact that, that Russell likes those guys down near the end zone. 
I think there's a real opportunity for him. And look, when you look at the tight end position as a whole, you've got your, you know, your four or five guys at the top, your elite guys. You've got a whole bunch of guys, I would say anywhere from, say, tight end seven to tight end 22 to 24 that are fairly interchangeable right i mean and so albert oh i think i i don't i'm not gonna sit here and tell you he's gonna finish the year as a top 10 tight end i'm not that nuts but i do think you know if you're looking for kind of a fringe tight end one a guy who can put you get you some nice games every once in a while especially you know as a streamer a, a fill-in tight end uh, I think there's some real potential here in a Denver offense that, you know, like I said earlier about Melvin Gordon, a Denver offense that's going to be a lot better this year than it has been the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think, like you said, notice that you said it's going to be a lot better than the last couple of years. And that opens a big opportunity. I think he was fourth last year in the NFL in yards per route run behind only, I think it was Dallas Goddard, George Kittle, and Kyle Pitts. Like, I think, like, elite company to begin with. And I think that he's someone that has a lot of upside in offense. I know, like, Greg Dolchich is there, and I'm a little worried about that, why they needed to draft a third-round tight end. But I think it's more the offense that they want to run rather than, like, trying to take away from the talent of Albert O. I think that's definitely the biggest thing. So I'm with you on Albert O. I think it's a fantastic pick. And actually, for the people, he would have been my pick if you didn't take him. So I, I'm <laughs> just as in as you are. But the guy that I ended up taking is going a lot later. A couple people have probably heard me say this name on the podcast before, but it's Daniel Bellinger, who's expected to be the tight end one for the Giants. Some people have probably never heard of this guy, but he's the rookie tight end rookie tight end for the Giants, expected to be the tight end one. He's a top 3% athleticism rad score of all time at the tight end position. He's playing on a team with 40% of their targets up for grabs, including 61% of their targets inside the 10-yard line. And Bellinger currently goes the tight end 37 in drafts. So he's the tight end one on the team, but is going as the tight end 37. He's not even being drafted as a starting tight end. And I don't think that he's going to, you know, reset the world on fire, but he's super athletic, which is important for tight ends. He's on a team with a lot of targets up for grabs, which is awesome. And he's being drafted, not even as a starting tight end. So I think that he's a big sleeper. And, you know, if he finishes in the top 30, you will hear it from me. that, that <laughs> I, I called him if he averages like five points a game this year. I'm obviously joking and being sarcastic for those who can't hear that. But I think Daniel Bellinger is someone that, is extremely interesting and someone I'm buying. Have you have you seen any of the Daniel Bellinger hype train? Or are you still no. kind, of like, kind of getting there? You, uh, I think you got all the seats on this train right now. Like I haven't really seen a lot of that. <laughs> thing if I'm the only one riding the train. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though. But again, like I feel like everybody needs to have you know a couple of guys those those like end of the draft dart throws, right? And I will admit that I don't know that I, I don't know that I've settled on one yet this year. But yeah. those those end of the draft, like hey, this is the last pick I'm taking. Um, and if it hits, then I'm going to let everybody know about it. If it doesn't, then I will quietly shuffle this guy back to the waiver wire and we'll never speak of it again. Um, I mean, I think the thing about Bellinger, like everybody in that giants offense is, uh, Daniel Jones, right. Is, is what, what do we get from Daniel Jones? Uh, this, I know for, for Jones himself, I feel like this is sort of a make or break year that if it doesn't happen for Daniel Jones this year, then we're not talking about him as a starting quarterback much beyond this. But they do have a new coach, right? They've got Brian Dable. They've got a new offensive coach there uh, that maybe can can get something going here. So, again, with this being end of end of draft, and and like I said, with so many kind of young tight ends, so many late round tight ends having some viability here, I don't think it's a crazy option. And you know, like I said, if if it uh, if it doesn't hit, then we burn this tape. Uh, you put them on the waiver wire, and uh, we'll never we'll never talk about it again. 
<laughs> exactly. That's the thing is like these are the dart throws. These are the guys that like when like Elijah Mitchell was like the number one you know waiver guy in like week two last year. Daniel Bellinger is the guy that you drop for Elijah Mitchell. Like if if you don't have these guys, <laughs> right. round of your drafts. If they pop, if he pops off in week one, great. If not, you can get rid of him because you got him as the tight end thirty seven. You know he is the last guy that you have on your bench in case he pops off or something big happens. If not. Just let him go off with the fairy dust and, you know, let Daniel Bellinger go to the butterfly <laughs> farm or behind Jordan Aikens at the, the tight end of the chart. But who knows what will happen. But, Marcus, we have one final sleeper each to get to today. We will start with you. Who is your last and fifth final sleeper of the day that you want in every single fantasy football draft? So uh, I've been big on Damian Pierce uh, when it when it comes to rookie running backs and not – let me just start by saying I don't think he's going to finish the year. He's not going to be better than Brees Hall. He's not going to be better than, than Kenneth Walker. Well, maybe he's better than Kenneth Walker. I don't know. Um, but the reason I like Damian Pierce is because I think the opportunity is there for him in a big, big way. You look at the Texans offense, and I would say the only two things that are really, truly settled at the skill positions, Davis Mills at quarterback, who, by the way, I contend – was arguably the best rookie quarterback last year. I know that you know Mac Jones had more success statistically and on field or what have you, um, but I don't think you can really discount what Davis Mills did with that cast of characters in what was just a horrendous season in Houston. So he's locked in at quarterback for the foreseeable future. Um, Brandon Cooks is back, and he's their wide receiver one. Everything else is really up for grabs. I mean, th that backfield is a complete mess. Uh, I mean, I know what David Johnson, I think, is still there. Uh, Rex Burkhead is still kind of hanging around there. But there's nobody else there that you feel like is going to just command a whole lot of snaps and a whole lot of touches. And again, this is a Texans team that is still a long way from being competitive in that division. I mean, look, the, the Colts are going to be good. The, t the Titans are the division champions. They're, you know, they're still going to be pretty good. The Jaguars will be improved. The Texans are a long way from competing. And this is a situation where I think we may get a month or so into it. And they just look around and say, hey, look, we got this, this rookie back here. Let's give him a shot. Let's see what he can do. Let's see if we can start building around some of these young pieces for the future. And so I think for Pierce, it really is a case of opportunity. Um, you know, we'll see how talented he is in the long run, but I think there's a chance for him to really start getting a lot of snaps, a lot of touches. And I think that's going to be the reason that he has some sort of fantasy relevance is just because, you know, you know, we're going to get a month into this and people are going to be hurting for running back. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to underperform. It happens every year. And I think we're going to start talking about Damian Pierce as a nice guy to kind of have somewhere in the back part of your roster, somewhere sitting on your bench that you can plug in if you ever get to a, a spot of need during the season. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when his competition is 31-year-old, you know, fantasy football playoff all-star Rex Burkhead. And then Marlon <laughs> Mack, who's had, I think, 32 carries over the last two years. Like, again, this is similar to Tyler Algier, or Algier. I'm sorry. I keep – I've probably said his name five. So, <laughs> but Damian Pierce is someone that only has Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead for competition. There's a clear path of touches. And I think that Davis Mills is a little bit underrated. I know I heard on a podcast the other day that – he had four 300-yard passing games like as a rookie last year, and 300-yard games are hard enough to do, let alone having four of them. I think at 11 starts as a rookie. I think that's really impressive. I like the offensive coordinator and Pep Hamilton. So I think this offense is a little bit of you know sneaky upside to be like the 20th best scoring offense. But again, he has a clear path of touches. He's going outside the top 40 running backs, and those are the exact guys that you want to be targeting in these ambiguous backfields, as they say. So I really like him. But my final guy that – 
I honestly might take after today's news, I might take over Damian Pierce to this point is Rashad White. I mean, there's the news that Leonard Fournette is, you know, 260 pounds, that the Bucks coaches are unhappy. And, you know, maybe I'm I'm on my surfboard riding the narrative wave a little bit too hard. <laughs> but I think that Rashad White is interesting. And some of these stats are all courtesy of, of Scott Barrett of fantasy points. Phenomenal stats that he pulled. But Rashad White is one of five power five running backs with 90 plus rush yards and 40 plus receiving yards per game over a whole season. The other four running backs to do that are Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and Joe Mixon. Rashad White also has a top 2% athleticism score since 1987. He was PFF's highest graded receiving running back in this class. He was first in missed tackles forced receiver, but it gets better. These are also from Scott. Rashad White had the sixth best PFF receiving grade of all time in 2021. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Austin Eckler all rank in the top four of all time. The final thing that I love about Rashad White also in his final season he had the fifth best yards per route run of all time in 2021. The four players to rank above him were Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Joe Mixon, and Curtis Samuel is now a wide receiver. Just three different stats where he's just among absolute elite company. Does that mean Rashad White is amazing? No. But <laughs> he's playing on the second highest scoring offense last year. You know, he's playing with Tom Brady. Leonard Fournette is, you know, might be a little chunky, enjoying his donuts and off time a little bit too much. So there's a clear path, to not a clear path to touches, but if Leonard Fournette can't show out, Rashad White is big potential and where you're, where you're getting him in drafts, when he's being named among that elite company, like we just talked about with those stats, I think he's someone that's really interesting and someone that I'm targeting in literally every single draft possible right now. So am I just a little too excited about some Leonard Fournette reports or am I on to something here? I'm going to say, yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, I'm not... I'm not off. I'm not off the Fournette train yet. Um, you know, I feel like every couple of years we get these stories of like Leonard Fournette being, you know, you know maybe, maybe hitting the buffet a little bit too hard. But I think, I think, I do think there's a path for Rashad White to surpass uh, Keyshawn Vaughn though in that backfield. Like I do think there's a real shot for him to be the number two guy in that backfield. Um, what I would want to see from White, and I don't know the answer to this, so I'll just be honest with you. I don't know the answer, but you know, how is he? as a pass protector, right? Because yeah. that's going to be key, right? You've got Tom Brady in what very well is probably his last year. I know we've, I know we've said this many times before, but this might be Tom Brady's last year. Uh, you know, the dude's going to be, he's going to turn 45 in a few weeks. Um, you know, he is, he is your hope at getting to and winning another Super Bowl. They've got to be able to protect him. The one thing we know Leonard Fournette does well is he's a good pass protector. We know he can catch the football. And yeah, he might be a happy meal over a happy meal or two over where they want him to be weight wise. Um, I'm not quite ready to say that Rashad White's going to kick down the door, but I do think I do think he really does have a legitimate shot at that number two job, which isn't necessarily a terrible thing because then he is say a Leonard Fournette, you know, injury away from stepping into a larger role there. And I do think, uh, you know, being part of an offense that is going to be very good, that's going to score a lot of points, there is some upside there. So uh, I think, I think, you know, I think if we're talking about Rashad White as the number two, I'm totally on board with it. If, if, you know, we're going to make the argument that he is eventually going to, you know, kind of start to elbow his way into some of Fournette's opportunities. I'm not there yet. Now, you know, look, we can have this conversation again, you know, in a month, when we're into training camp and if you know the reports out of Tampa are that Fournette looks sluggish and slow and that you know he was you know, getting too many chicken fingers at Publix um then then you know <laughs> then I'm totally willing to have this conversation again 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's the whole point is that there may be a conversation to be had, especially where he's going in drafts right now. So I might draft both of them, you know, knowing that I'm going to get at least one and at least one producer. I think the biggest thing you highlight is the pass protection. I think that is going to be key here on whether or not he does see a role, even if Leonard Fournette, you know, is looking like he had a little too many chicken fingers or too many, you know, seven <laughs> eleven ICs or, or whatever the excuse is. So I think there's potential there, but obviously the pass blocking is a big part of it. We haven't seen many rookie running backs or really any, you know, succeed in a Tom Brady offense. But I think Rashad White could be the first. But that is that on Rashad White. But and that is it for all of our ten sleepers. But Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Before we go, like you said. You guys are starting to ramp up at NFL Network with all the content and everything. You said podcasts, a TV show coming up. So please tell the people where they can find you, your work, and all the great content that is coming over at your wonderful company. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you, you can find most of my stuff. Twitter is kind of the clearinghouse where I post a lot of the stuff that we're doing. But you, you can find us. We're, we got a YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. It's the whole thing, NFL Fantasy Football. Uh, the the preseason edition of NFL Fantasy Live starts on August 15th. So we'll be doing uh, a couple weeks of shows on NFL Network. So keep an eye out for that. I think the regular season, if I, I got to check my email again, but I believe they want us to start August 29th. So that's right before week one. Uh, we'll start back for the regular season. And then there's the podcast. Uh, myself and Michael F. Florio doing a podcast. So you can find that. All the places uh, that you find podcasts, and I've I've sort of taken, I kind of took a summer break from TikTok, but now that we're starting to get back into it, uh, I'm gonna start to fire up the TikToks again, so you, oh. can, uh, you can you can find me there. Uh, it, you know what? I wasn't smart enough to actually consolidate everything and make everything the same username, so it's Marcus Grant uh, on TikTok. <laughs> but uh, you know, just 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 dig around; you'll find me at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I would highly recommend you go follow him and all the work. You guys got so much great stuff coming out and it's been so great having you on the podcast today, but it's also been so great having you listeners along for the ride. Uh, thank you so much for all the support. This podcast has grown immensely over the last couple months and I could not be grateful for it, but it's all thanks to great guests like Marcus making it happen on the show. So I appreciate you taking the time and listeners. I appreciate you listening along and talking fantasy football with us. But as always, Please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.